0: Welcome to But First People, a podcast brought to you by Pride Global. I'm your host, Jenny Davis, Vice President here at Pride Global. Along with my colleagues on this podcast, we will dive into diversity, inclusion, and equity to service and staffing in the human capital industry. Join us each month as we sit down with industry experts to share their stories. Welcome back to But First People. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Kate Goss. For more than a decade, Kate has been a key leader and influencer in the company, helping to mold and grow Pride One, the company's managed services and payroll provider. Beyond her professional contributions, Kate has played an integral role in the company's diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. As a founding member of Lioness, Pride's Women Equity Group, and an active participant in the company's DEI initiative, Decidedly Diverse, Kate has championed gender equality, identified and engaged with minority partners, and promoted an inclusive workforce and diverse supply chain, both internally and on behalf of the clients that we serve. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thanks so much for joining the podcast today. So excited to have this conversation with you. I really appreciate it. Hi, Jenny. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, as in the tradition of But First People, can you give us a little ditty, Kate Goss? A little ditty? Oh, like a song that I have to sing? Yeah, of course. Ah,
1: uh-huh. okay. Um, when you said song, I didn't know this is what you meant. <laughs> gotcha. Um, okay, so let's see. Um when all the world is a hopeless jumble and the raindrops tumble all around, when all the skies, when all the clouds darken up your skyway, there's a rainbow highway to be found. Oh. Somewhere over the rainbow, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought I knew a lot of money, but I didn't know a song was deep in there like that. That was ah. so great. Um, well, I know you have it in your genetics, the musical family that you, that you lead. So, well, thank you again for coming. Um, so I have a few questions to prompt the conversation today, as you know, but I feel like this will be very natural because you are a person who makes people feel very comfortable. Um, and I'm excited to share you with more people in the world because you give a lot to Pride Global and um, your story is pretty great. So um, to start out, one of the things I love to understand is how you define your job. So the question I'm going to use to get you to that place is, imagine an alien lands here and says, hi, I'm an alien, I'm from this planet, and I have a question for you. What do you do here? What would you say? (laughs) That's funny.
1: I I actually kind of feel like you don't even have to use the analogy of an alien because it's really hard to explain my job even to regular humans, Um, (laughs) um, not not cocktail uh, party banter, but... I think what I would say is, you know, here on earth, people work to make an income to support their themselves and their families. And what we do is try to facilitate um, having a, a positive experience while you do that work. And both for our, the people who work for the company that I work for, and, you know, helping people find fulfillment in the work that they do and facilitate movement if they're not finding fulfillment in the work that they do. Um, And also trying to help the, the organizations that are using those people um, be able to use the people in a way that's, um, that makes sense. uh, That's, um, you know, and really fits with our cultural norms, our, you know, laws and, and, the way
0: that the the jobs are supposed to work. Hmm. It's great. It is complicated, right? I think it's always the summation of, oh, you're a headhunter? I'm like, no, that, no, no. no. Right? Yeah,
1: I mean, um, what I tend to say, being on the managed service side of the business, you know, if if it's if it's a thirty second, what do you do? Then I just say, "Oh, I'm in the staffing industry." You know, like temporary workers. Pretty much everybody's sort of that. Um, if it's a little bit longer conversation and I want to talk about managed services, then I'll say, a lot of times I'll say, "We're like a human resources department, but for a company's non employees." Mm, that's a beautiful right? way of saying it. Absolutely, and, I love that. And people are like, "Oh." I get it. So that's kind of what I've landed on. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's great. Well, I love that you included the idea of fulfillment and enjoyment because I do think that's something unique to how the framing exists here at Pride is that we Mm -hmm. always say it's about the enjoyment or the experience of it. We don't just say this tactical, sort of archaic comment, right? We put people to work. We get people jobs. It's about the experience they have with it. So I love that you echoed that sentiment because it's not the first time that's been said. So that's great. So how did you find your way into this? Obviously, you're like, this isn't an easy industry to explain. Well, it's not really an easy industry to find um, either. So how did you find your way into it?
1: No, that's right. Uh, There's – especially when I went to school, there was certainly not a, very much awareness that the industry even existed. Right. Um, you know, I'm old. So not old. I, <laughs> People who
0: don't know are just not old.
1: <laughs> um, so I, I actually started my career, and, you know, I kind of make a joke about this. I started my career in, in mental health, mm. completely different industry, although broadly applicable, I think, to any professional yeah. setting. <laughs> yes. So... Um, And then I decided I didn't want to do that anymore because it's a super stressful business. And, you know, I I just wasn't sure that that's that I had it in me to do that for for my whole career. So I decided to make a shift. I started a master's program um, here in New York City at the new school in nonprofit management, trying to do that, like helping people, but in a slightly different way. And, you know, I have a huge amount of admiration for people in that world. But as I chatted with my fellow students, kind of got their view of what it's actually like to work in the nonprofit world, um, you know, those people, a a lot is expected of them and the compensation is very low, Mm -hmm. um, which is a shame. And, you know, knowing that I was going to be the breadwinner for my family in an expensive market, I just concluded that I couldn't. I probably couldn't go that direction. So the new school had a program in human resources management in the same graduate school. So I just shifted into HR management. And, um, you know, when I first came to New York City, I took a job just because I needed a job. So I was actually working at a car dealership. Mm. Um, oh no, no shame in that. <laughs> no, um, love that. And, uh, and um, then when I started looking for an HR job, Uh, believe it or not I saw an ad in a newspaper an actual physical newspaper (laughs) for a recruiter and I was like oh that's interesting that sounds that sounds relevant so I went and interviewed and it actually was a staffing company and um, I thought it sounded pretty like like something I could do and something I'd be interested in it and that was um, at this point you know let's just say a lot of years ago.
0: Yeah. And I've been in the industry ever since. Wow. That's it in, great. It was in like the mid nineties. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and so much has changed. Right. And it's such a, it, and that's the transition of our industry is wild. And I think about it daily. I think about it even since I've been in it, I've been in it 15 years now, mm-hmm. um, how different it looks in the day to day of it and um, how it was even talked about when you started it. And, One of the things that I find interesting, and I'm going to sort of lean into this a lot, Kate, because I I look to you a lot Um, as a female leader in our organization. I look up to you a lot. And just as a woman in our industry, um, I can only imagine what recruiting in the 90s was like from that perspective. Um, I get the sort of boiler room, Glen Gary, Glen Ross vibe um, about Mm -hmm. what our industry was then and and still has remnants of, uh, if we call it what it is. Um, And so surviving through that, was it challenging for you? Because I I know how, um, I would describe it as like pure of heart and authentic you are um, and true to yourself as a woman. Was that complicated for you growing up in this in the 90s?
1: So the company that I landed in initially was a little unusual, I think, in that industry in that the recruiters were, in fact... A little bit more like what we are here at pride and that it was much more heavily based salary oriented yeah. uh, the commission structure was was structure was pretty um you know like i'm gonna say minimal okay uh and so it was not as aggressive as mm. the, the the following two companies now um and and i started as an it recruiter so there was a lot of focus on uh and the founder of the company was a technologist himself and he really wanted us to be credible and know what we were talking about so there was actually a lot of training done on technology which at the time was very different than today's technology we did a lot of c c plus plus and unix (laughs) and oracle oracle database administrators um so uh, so i think my intro was not as much of a like Mm blast culture shock. furnace yeah culture shock um and then now the next couple of companies I worked for it was definitely more what I would call traditional old school staffing mm-hmm. um and and that was a difficult balance sometimes because you know as you say it, it's it can be very much like cowboys out there on you know um mm-hmm. and not always you know I hate to tar our industry but you know it's a little bit mm-hmm. sometimes freewheeling let's put yes. it that way yeah um and so but i evolved from a recruiting role to more of an operations and management role where i was um you know i felt like my strengths were well utilized so but it was definitely i mean you say glengarry Glen Ross, like one of the companies i work for which will remain nameless i mean it was 100% that, you know, it was um, aggressive, very competitive, competitive with each other, um, you know, sink or swim. And, you know, they they were successful in what they did. But that wasn't an environment that
0: I, like,
1: really felt like I thrived in.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of thriving in environments, I, I get to see you thrive in environments here. And um, one of the things I admire most about you is the way you lead from a perspective of protection, advisement, and love. (laughs) You really do. Um, And I don't want to be derogatory in the term like mother hen of it because it's not about motherhood and it's not about that. But I know you are a mother and I know you're proud of that Mm -hmm. fact as well. But I think you really do love who works with you and for you. And I think you really love what pride is about. And so how have you found the confidence to be authentic Lee Kate Goss at work? And how do you encourage that in the people you work with because you do it masterfully?
1: Oh, well, thank you, Jenny. That means a lot coming from you. And um, so going back to that master's degree, I had one professor, an organi- organizational development professor that talked about how the orgs, the traditional org hierarchy, where it's like the triangle with the CEO on the top and everybody else on the bottom. Um, They expressed an opinion that that was actually backwards, that the CEO should be, think of their job and every successive layer of management should think of their job as supporting the people that report to them, right? Their job is to give the people who report to them the tools, the training, um, and the support to do their job well. Um, And so you really, instead of thinking of those people as below you, you should think of them as being above you and it's your job to hold them up and to help them be successful. So, um, so I've always had that visual in my mind, um, that it is, if, if I have somebody on my team who's not successful, um, the first primary responsibility is mine to see, have I given them the tools and the training and the support to be successful? And sometimes I have, and it's just not a good fit, right? Or they, that's a, it's, you know, they don't have the skill or they don't have the will, um, to do the job that they were hired to do. But, in many cases you know you really have to look and say be curious come into it with a uh, attitude of curiosity and say you know you're not succeeding you're not meeting the you know sort of the performance that we're expecting why um you know what's standing in your way how can i help you and um you know and for me like i'm just always um you know it's it's just who i am to i feel like Everyone is deserving of dignity and respect. And so, like, I would approach my colleagues that way. I approach, I hope I approach, you know, random people on the street that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just
0: really important to, to my perception of who I am and
1: why we're here on the world, in this, in this world,
0: right? That's great. So. Well, and I think that leads into the idea of how much effort you put into our diversity, equity, and inclusion, and our women's initiatives. And- mm-hmm. Why is that important to you Kate? So I've had a really
1: fortunate life. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm a white woman from a middle-class family that went to a really good school when it wasn't extravagantly expensive. Um, and, but I, you know, ever since I was a kid, like my mom is super socially aware. Um, you know, as you know, she recently like injured herself at 82 years old, like at a, at a march, <laughs> you know, a political march. Um, so, but I think, you know, it, to me, it's about wasted human potential. Um, like if somebody comes from a situation where, um, they weren't given the opportunities that I was, um, they weren't, they didn't have, whether it's, they didn't have, um, an intact family or supportive parents or books in their home. Um, maybe they, maybe their family came to this country uh, trying to escape war or poverty. Um, you know there's human potential there that is potentially wasted and um, so I just I think that the world is so much richer, the more we are able to create conditions so that people can contribute. So, I mean, I know that sounds like a little cerebral maybe and no. like, <laughs> you know, but like to me, it's just, it, it goes back to that dignity and respect thing, right? Yeah. You know, everybody, um, you know, to give people the opportunity to mm-hmm. contribute and how much, how much richer we are. And, you know, if you look at history, like the countries that are successful tend to be the countries where the most you know, most people can contribute, mm. um, and they're not systematically oppressing women or you know certain classes of people or or whatever. Right. So,
0: what an interweaving you just made from the start of describing what it is you do, talking about how you got here, and talking about why inclusion matters so much to you is just mm-hmm. this idea, and how you lead is this idea of allowing people a platform to succeed. Yeah, in yep. everything you do, Kate, that's what I find. Right, is that. You want to give the person the space to succeed. You want to give them the opportunity and let them try again and platform for success. And I'm just, as you're talking, I just find this as a theme for you, which is what a fantastic theme to stand for. If that's your ethos and why you exist. Kate, what a great thing is I'm trying to provide platforms for people to succeed.
1: I I think so. And honestly, that's one of the things that I think is super exciting about our industry, about the staffing industry, is because, you know, some of these – you know, blue chip companies or whatever you want to call them. You know, they have pretty significant hurdles, uh-huh. right, to get in the door, um, and sometimes staffing is a way. This is going to sound kind of funny, but kind of a way to sneak in, right? Yeah. Um, and and then to and then if you shine, then maybe. The fact that you didn't attend the college where they do all their campus recruiting, (laughs) one of the six colleges or whatever where they do all their campus recruiting, maybe you went to a local state school, but you get in there and you show your stuff, then you have that opportunity to, um, you know, to join like a great organization and and build your
0: career. So that's one of the, to me, one of the most exciting things. I also think. In it, like working in this is such a platform for us to provide that to people. Um, You talked about the bridge to getting into a company. And I look at some of these companies who have inclusion desires, right? So you say you're a manufacturing company and you want to impact the environment for different groups, right? You want to change the diversity um, of your company. Well, you produce a product and your ability to pivot into that might be way more challenging and our ability to pivot into a place of changing the direction of someone's lives is pretty easy. So, um I know you and I both get on passionate diatribes about things like this, but just how impactful we can be in this space and having this rejuvenation of desire to talk about diversity in rooms and care about it is so exciting for me and I've love being in the room with you because again passionate diet drives that we'll go right. we can yep. share in the excitement but i just find that such a beautiful thing about our industry so um you know thinking about how how does diversity impact staffing how does how do we as an industry frame that because i think we look at our clients and say okay what are your goals we'll help but what do you think our industry staffing needs to do to in- improve our view on diversity that's
1: a great question um i think that I think we're actually in a great position to educate our clients and to try to move certain needles um, that might be um, those those hidden obstacles for certain populations, um, whether it has to do with what are the kind of people that are more likely to have had an encounter with law enforcement, right, which I think is a big one. So, yes, of course. Companies have to have standards, and some companies are regulated, and they don't have any say in the matter, but not all. And so, you know, maybe um, encouraging people to be a little more sensitive to um, those types of issues that might be in somebody's background and being open yes. to um, to considering a broader range of people. Same with education, right? Right. Um, or gaps in employment, right? You know, somebody. I've seen so many people that you know, I had to take a year off to take care of a of a parent who was ill um, because you know they couldn't pony up for you know some kind of live and help or, or whatever. So, so sensitizing um, our clients to not not ruling out talented people because. Um, their resume reflects some of the challenges that they've, they've had in their life, um, right? So I think that's one way that we can impact um, diversity within our within our client companies. Um, and we should look at ourselves as well, right? Um, I think one of the things I know that here at Pride we've been working on for a couple of years now is um, hiring through referrals is a wonderful way to hire. It also duplicates the workforce that you have. Yes. Um, and so, looking at uh, sort of trying to kickstart a virtuous cycle, where as you hire more diverse people, then they will have more diverse networks, and you'll be able to like just continue to grow, and and you know be uh, be able to bring more people into the doors, and then again it becomes this cycle, um, and uh, and and also you know I wanted to just I, I thought about something about temping because I did temp when I was in college, you know, as a as a summer way. And we kind of um I thought that was a it was a great way to get a view into the culture of the companies that you're working for. Like as a temp, even just as a receptionist, uh, I mean this might sound weird, but in half an hour I could kind of tell what the what the culture was of Absolutely. the company where I was s- sitting at that front desk. Mm-hmm. And so we servicing those clients, like we kind of have that view too. We do. And um, you know, there's only so much you can do, yes. right? Right.
0: Uh, right. There's a,
1: but, you know, you can, um, make observations maybe if you've built a strong relationship and the person is
0: open to hearing what you have to say. Yeah. Recruiting is a bit of a voyeuristic job. Um, yeah, I always say, totally. I, I always say I love it because I will likely never work in a large corporate environment. I just don't think it's my, it's my style. Um, but I love being close to them. And I love seeing what they do and I love seeing how they function, to your point. I'm likely never going to be an Oracle DBA, but I like looking at them and seeing what right. they do and yeah. asking them questions. So I think it's such, a, it's such an industry of curiosity and I think that's great. One of the things you said about, about the funnel and this idea of stop eliminating before you see before you interact. Right. And I do, I agree, Kate. I think that's such an opportunity, is everyone talks about top of funnel. And so for those not in our industry, that's this idea of like, who's coming in the door? And what I think companies sometimes fail to realize, because they haven't reviewed things in 10 years, or it's right. not a priority for them, is who are you eliminating before you even see them, talk to them, speak with them, all of it, right? And I think that I agree with you. It is such an opportunity. If you want to talk about top of funnel, look at what door you've closed before they even get to the funnel. And, and that's um, – I do. I agree. I think it's an opportunity for us to insert ourselves and ask questions and mm-hmm. actually advise more than just answer to. And um, yeah. I've found a turn in staffing in that way in my mind. I think um, we were often viewed when I started in this purely as a vendor. Um, order, order takers. Yeah. Right? yeah. Pencil yeah. and paper. Um, they procure us in the same way they procure cardboard. Um, yeah. But we're people. And where we serve people, and I think the human element of that is key in terms of how we're going to have to evolve this if we sustain um, and and the way we're growing and thriving. Obviously, people need us, and they want us to. So, I think that's yeah, yeah. Great and I'm
1: seeing more and more of those sort of vocational, tra- you know, the offering the trainings. I know we're talking about it internally, and more staffing companies I see are are moving in that direction. I mean, part of it's just a reaction to the tight labor market. Um, but it it really I think is another way our industry can start to reach out into communities um, and start to offer those opportunities as we talked about, give people a chance to, um, you know, explore things that maybe they didn't you know they didn't wouldn't have thought about otherwise. Finding and, their uh, platform for success. Finding their platform for
0: success. <laughs> yes, That's right. I agree. Yep. So yep. great. Well, Kate, you're such a creative person and. You are so passionate about so many things. You, um, you know, I can I can talk about a book and you get excited. We talk about a podcast, you get excited. And um, so if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing with your life? Oh, that's
1: so interesting. So um, I think that, I mean, sometimes I think I should have gone to law school. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't seem like a good idea at the time, but I, I there's something um about there's, there's like that slightly OCD side of me that loves not to be a litigator cause I'm not combative enough. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, but you know, I think there's something, uh, like really, again, I, I guess being idealistic about the law hmm. and about the legal system, um, and how, you know, everyone is equal under the law yeah um, or that's how it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, so i think um you know public interest law um that sort of thing i think would be would be pretty cool um and um that would probably be yeah my my that path not taken. I can see it. it. Might have been fun.
0: I think it must be a theme, right, in leadership of our industry is that when people say, I could have done this, I could have done that. I think it's always true. I know when I interviewed Tim Tobin, I knew we wanted to be a firefighter. I was like, yeah, you right. could be a firefighter. When you're like, you I totally want to be a, be a lawyer. I'm like, you could be a lawyer. Um, in that way, I can see it and you can envision it. And I think it is right. our interest in being exposed to so many things is we can yep. sort of fit ourselves into those molds or say, absolutely, that's not me. I think in our right. curiosity and exploration of careers, we also can have a self-reflection of like, I could do that. And there's this I could feeling, do that, right? of, I could do that. And we like yep. to have those conversations then because we put yep. ourselves in places. And I'll tell places. you,
1: that's right. And the, the voyeuristic part is like, you know, as a woman, as a professional woman and um, somebody who like kind of came into it sometimes with, I don't want to say odd, but a little, little intimidated maybe by senior business leaders, um, you know, these, what, let's just call it out, like Typically these white men that are in these these, you know, powerful positions. Yeah. And then you get to know them a little bit and you're like, they're not all that.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, that is a great way to say it. And I think it is, it's about coming in the room. And I know you and I have talked about that and worked on that. And we talked to the women who work here about that is this feeling of um don't come in with preconceived notions of who you are and who they are and, and own the room. Um, and I'm very proud of the work that you've done, and I hope you are too, to help the women of Pride feel that, Kate. Because I think you own the room um, for many, and let letting people see that. No thanks.
1: And I think pride gives us that gives us that opportunity, right? Like the leadership
0: here, you know, is is very supportive. I would agree, and that helps. Yeah, they've given us a platform for success and a, and a platform for our voice. So I couldn't agree more. Um, and Kate, it's such a pleasure as always. I could talk to you all afternoon, um, but thank you so much for doing this and for sharing with us your story and your passions and it's always a pleasure. So thank you so much. It's been so fun. Thanks so much, Jenny. Thank you so much, Kate, for joining on the episode. Thank you for sharing your story and your journey with us. If you have any questions for Kate or myself, please email us at butfirstpeople@prideglobal.com. And also don't forget to like, share, rate and subscribe to our podcast. Have a great day and we'll see you next time on But First People.